so much good scripture to jump into this morning. Um, But anytime I can talk about Moses and all of the other figures and influences in Moses' life, I take it. Um, When I was first ordained, I was a school chaplain, and I worked at a school that had preschoolers all the way up to 12th graders. We led chapels, and we were in the classroom in various ways with the kids, and it was always interesting the different ways they would respond to some of these stories. It's different to have a conversation with my ninth and 10th graders about what was actually in the text versus the the way the story has been depicted in Hollywood or other places, or sort of the, the way we feel like the church would be talking about the story versus what the story might actually be saying. And then that was different from when you would talk to the middle schoolers with all the different things that they were dealing with and coming to figure out who they were in the world. And then that was different from chapel with the preschoolers who had such an openness and a receptivity to the mystery, to holding space for what the ways in which this story might be working on us in many different layers. So I invite us this morning to enter into the story with the eyes of a preschooler, with the eyes of someone who is just beginning to make sense of who they are in the world and the way the world works and in the ways the world doesn't work. We heard this segment of Moses' life. We heard this slice of the story where Moses encounters God in a real way for the first time. Whenever I talk about Moses, I have to take us back to the beginning Because Moses' very life is dependent upon five women. When Moses was born, it was during the time where Pharaoh was massacring all the little baby boys. He was was threatened by what might become. And yet, Moses' mother, first of all, she, she has a child during this time. Moses is born. And the story names the midwives who were there to help tend Moses' mother in his birth, Shipra and Pua. Moses' mother, she she conceals Moses as long as she can, and then when she can't hide him anymore from the soldiers, he's set into a basket which floats along down the river. Like, what, what faith, what extraordinary trust, but also... What a way to live to know that this was safer than him staying close with her. And it's Moses' older sister who follows the basket along the river and then who witnesses as the basket makes its way to Pharaoh's household, witnesses Pharaoh's daughter, a daughter from the household of the oppressor, recognizing this baby, knowing where this baby came from, and drawing him out of the water to care for him. Moses' sister says to Pharaoh's daughter, would you like me to help you find someone to nurse him until he's old enough to be weaned? To which she says yes, and Moses ends up back home with his mother for a longer period of time so she can continue to nurture and care for him. When Moses is weaned, he's turned over to Pharaoh's daughter, and he grows up knowing that he is Hebrew, from the Israelites, 
but he grows up in the household of the Egyptians, educated and shaped and formed. What a life. What confusing experiences he must have had. When he is grown, he begins to witness the suffering of the enslaved, the suffering of his people, where he came from. And he is impassioned to retaliate when he sees a guard beating up on um, a fellow Hebrew. And so he kills the guard and then realizes his life is now in jeopardy, and he runs off. It's many years later that we encounter Moses with this experience. He's been adopted into a household. He's married a woman. He's got a couple of kids of his own, and he's out tending his father-in-law's flocks. And when he's out there by himself, he notices something. He notices something that he's never seen before. He notices that there is a bush on fire that is burning and yet is not consumed, is not diminished in any way. He notices something different. He sees it. When I read this story, I don't wonder if there were bushes on fire all over the place. Maybe Moses had walked past them before and there was something different about this particular time that he saw it. But he saw it and he goes to investigate. And God greets him and says, you are on holy land. Take off your sandals. Know that this is a sacred experience. wonder how many burning bushes we may walk past. At this point two years into a pandemic that's like easing up but then not fully and will life ever be the same? I'm questioning a lot about a lot. I question a lot about what does it mean to be church in March of 22? What will it mean to be church in a year, in a few years? In some ways my answer is the same as it would have been two or three or 20 years ago. But in other ways, everything is different. Things that, didn't, things that I didn't see in the same way, I see differently today. There's a lot of suffering that is visible, and there's a lot of suffering that is invisible in our world. And some of that has come to the fore in a different way in these last couple of years. Also, we're living with a, a different sense of how things will unfold. A couple years ago, I never would have anticipated or expected a pandemic. And, and to realize now that I feel like less, I can predict less what life might look like in two years or in 20 years. What does it mean to be church in the midst of all of that? Moses encounters God in this burning bush. And God says, Moses, I have a plan for you. I hear the cries of my people who are hurting and in pain, and I want you to go and bring them into freedom. I want you to go liberate them. And Moses is like, I think you got the wrong person. I, I, we learn later on in the story, he's like, I, I'm not so well-spoken. I'm, I'm clearly not the one. But also, like, who, who are you to say that I could do this? And God's answer is, I'm going to be with you. Trust 
that I'm going to be with you. That you will have what you need. That you will know what you need to know. When I hear Moses being concerned that he's not the right person to be sent into this situation, I laugh because I think, wait, Moses, but, but you are Hebrew. Like, you, you know, these are your people. These, their ancestors, their God is your God. And you understand the language of Pharaoh. You, you know Pharaoh. You grew up in his household. You are exactly the right person to figure this out. You are exactly the right person to do a new thing, to show the people that God has a different way of living, that God has a different desire than a lot of the desires that are um, the voices of power and oppression in our world. We all know the story. There are plagues. Moses leads the people out to freedom. And then they spend a long time wandering around learning who they are. It took a long time for them to shed the layers of who they had been and to begin to live into the ways with the, the Ten Commandments and all the other best ways for how God wa wants us most to live. What is the church that is being created today? Not that we're going to let go of who we were in the past. We have thousands of years of foundation to build upon. Who is God calling us to be today? How will we respond to the different world that we are living in now? Who is St. John's called to be? Where are the burning bushes? Where are the heroes? the Moses figures out there that we should be listening to, that we should be following as they lead us into a new way, into God's way. This is a prayer I want to close with by Walter Brueggemann, who's an Old Testament scholar and theologian. It's from a book that um, has gathered a lot of his prayers called Prayers for a Privileged People. This prayer is called Blown by God Toward Newness. The news is that God's wind is blowing. It may be a breeze that cools and comforts. It may be a gust that summons you to notice. It may be a storm that blows you where you have never been before. Whatever the wind is in your life, pay attention to it. And the blessing of God, Father, Son, and Spirit, will abide with you always.